few passages in Scripture invoke a disdain of the Catholic Church more than this one because of three big reasons we just read. Few things cause more ire at the Catholic Church than its teaching on divorce. Fulton Sheen, you've heard me say before, said millions of people hate what they think is the Catholic Church. Very few, if any, hate what is actually the Catholic Church because our teaching on divorce is just the teaching of Christ. But many people hate the church because of it. The other one is a new hatred for God created them male and female, period. <laughs> There's not 26 others listed there. Two. And finally, at the end, the church is often criticized for not allowing priests to marry. I had one online comment just yesterday saying it's against the Bible not to marry. Really? Our Lord just says here that some have renounced marriage for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't sound like it's against the Bible to me. Sounds like it's a calling that God gives as a priest, the spouse is the church. So few passages invoke more ire of the laity, not the laity, but secular society than this one. Now, the people point out that, why are you doing this, Jesus? Because Moses gave a bill of divorce. Why did Moses give a bill of divorce? Let's talk about divorce here, because this one, unfortunately, in our society is, is very much a part of just normal, everyday living. In fact, the Catholic rate of divorce is equal to the rest of society. Now, why did Moses give a bill of divorce? Okay, so it could provide some legal protection actually for the woman. If the husband was not going to take care of her anymore, he should relinquish his right to her. That's how it was. That's how it was. Now, please don't cancel culture me. That's just the way it was. That's a reality that we're losing in our teachings today. We don't take in the context of the times when we start talking about different times and periods in history. These are things. Now, this allowed another man to marry her. If the first husband wasn't going to take care of her and abandons her, it allowed another man to marry her to provide for her. So that's why Moses allowed it. So he's not really saying divorce is acceptable. He was saying that it is an unfortunate concession. Now, Jesus shows that divorce was allowed by Moses, but not part of God's original plan. Again, those are Jesus's words, not mine, because he says it was not that way from the beginning. So let's look at this. Is divorce itself a sin? Is divorce in and of itself a sin? And is it ever allowed by the church? Well, Jesus and the church right here point out that it's remarriage without an annulment. Now, Jesus says here, Whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful and marries another, commits adultery. That's the exact teaching of the church. So when you hate the Catholic church, you're hating the words of Jesus. Those are his exact words. So it's not divorce necessarily. It's if the divorce happens 
and it's no, and the marriage was valid and legal, and you marry another, Jesus is saying, uh-uh. Don't hate the church for teaching what Christ taught. Now, there are many factors that go into this. That's not just a blanket statement. Now, <clears throat> here's the thing. Marriage without a renulment or without an annulment and, and, and not necessarily a divorce is the sin. I'll tell you why. Catechism 2384 does say divorce is serious. All right. It does say divorce is a grave offense. I'm quoting here from the catechism. Divorce is a grave offense against the natural law. Does injury to the covenant of salvation. The church does say that divorce can add to the gravity of rupture because you have children who are affected, um, things like that. Now, 2385 of the catechism actually says divorce is immoral also because it introduces disorder into the family and into society. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't read that, but I would also be remiss if I didn't explain it. So Jesus is saying basically what God has joined, let no man separate. Okay, based on that verse and the catechism, we can surmise that divorce may be sinful in and of itself if you are to blame. So if you were the one who was unfaithful and a divorce resulted, then yes, you are to blame. And that divorce is on your conscience, on your soul not on the innocent victim, the other spouse, may not be guilty at all for that divorce. So you have to look at the whole context. One spouse may be innocent. They tried, but they were abandoned. <clears throat> I know many people who fall into that category, my very own sister. My sister tried everything to the point where she forgave years of infidelity of her husband. And yet he still abandoned her. She's not to blame. And God bless my sister. What an amazing person. She didn't receive Holy Communion because she felt that, that she was sinning by receiving Holy Communion because she was a divorcee. No, that wasn't her fault. She wasn't the cause of the divorce. And so please, you have to understand the whole context. Now, let me continue real quick. Catechism 2386 explains it further. <clears throat> it can happen that one of the spouses is the innocent victim of a divorce decreed by civil law. This spouse, therefore, has not contravened the moral law. So there are cases where you're not guilty. There is a considerable difference. I'm reading right from the catechism. There is a considerable difference between a spouse who has sincerely tried to be faithful to the sacrament of marriage and is unjustly abandoned and one who through his own grave fault destroys a canonically valid marriage. See the difference there? So when is divorce allowed? All right. If there is an innocent victim like abandonment or physical abuse where you're fearing for your life. So back to Catechism 2383, if civil divorce remains the only possible way of ensuring certain legal rights, the care of children, so supposedly you have a spouse that's abusing the children and you have to remove, get away for the safety of their lives, 
or the protection even of an inheritance. Surprising, but they have that. It can, divorce can be tolerated and does not constitute a moral offense. So you have to be very careful here. It's not just, oh, I don't want to get a divorce. I no longer feel in love with you. Love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment, an act of the will. I choose to love you through better or worse, through richer or poorer. It's a commitment. It's a love commitment. No matter how emotions go like this, if everybody got a divorce every time the emotions hit the bottom, nobody would be married anymore because emotions go like this. But commitment remains even through the tough times. Now, sometimes you're an innocent victim. Sometimes your spouse goes way off the deep end and, in, in, and then there's nothing you can do. So the church knows that. The church teaches that, but people don't know that. All right, so this is why divorced people may receive Holy Communion, but not if you are remarried without an annulment. You cannot. Sorry, it's because of Jesus's words. So in a divorce, both parties may be guilty of sin, or one party may be guilty, but always somebody is. All right. Canon law says the best thing you should do is first get permission for a separation. You're struggling. Your marriage is having difficulty. This is a reality of life. The church says instead of running to divorce court, first talk to the bishop, your priest, go towards a separation just to see if God's grace can then get into hearts. The catechism says if this doesn't work, then divorce, but only under certain circumstances. Only under certain circumstances. Not because you don't feel. It's not a, that's not an allowable circumstance. All right? Now, in one of the passages of this, Jesus says, unless the marriage is unlawful. In other translations, it says, unless for reasons of unchastity. Do you know what many people think that means? That that means unchastity means infidelity, that they cheated on you. Actually, this is a correct translation. The word chastity, as Jesus uses it, the way it was written in the Greek, actually means invalid, not adulterous. So when Jesus says, unless for reasons of unchastity, really means what it says here, unless the marriage is unlawful. This translation actually is the correct. Now, this is very important because in this case, there should be a split if the marriage is unlawful. If the marriage never was valid, you should have a split. A number of elements, I can't go into them now. I do have a talk online on marriage. If you Google my name, Father Chris Aylar and marriage, you'll see I do a whole entire long, detailed explanation of, of convaliding of marriages, divorces, annulments, all church teaching. If you need help in that area, please look that up. But anyway, a number of elements must be present for a marriage to be sacramental. Uh, <clears throat> when an annulment happens, it's not a Catholic divorce. 
And Anoman is not saying, oh, uh, you know, we, we, because we're a bunch of gray-haired old men who want to have authority over you, we declare you donate us a bunch of money and we're going to declare you a Catholic divorce. That's not what's going on here. Jesus says, unless the marriage is unlawful. What does that mean? The church honestly looks into your situation and determines if a valid marriage was there. If a valid marriage was there, then there is no divorce. If it was determined that the marriage was invalid, then that means there's an annulment, which means there was no marriage in the first place. But don't get ahead of ourselves. It doesn't mean your children are illegitimate and things like that. What does it mean? All right. There should be a number of elements present for the sacrament of marriage to occur. Not a marriage, the sacrament of marriage. All right. The first is canonical form. What does that mean? If you are born and baptized Catholic, you are to get married in the Catholic Church. If you are not, it's not valid. It's called canonical form. A Catholic must be married in the church. Now, this only applies to Catholics. We can't say to two Baptists, your marriage, your marriage isn't sacramental because you weren't married in the Catholic Church. No, baptized Catholics. All right. Non-marriage, or excuse me, marriage of non-Catholics may be valid, even if they did not marry in a church. It's called a natural marriage. That can be valid. The couple must also freely and knowingly choose to enter marriage. There must be free consent. So are shotgun weddings valid? No, because there wasn't valid consent. No shotgun weddings. Another one, the couple must understand what marriage is. If two 16-year-olds get married because the girl got pregnant, and then later they mature and understand, the church might say really there wasn't a valid marriage because they didn't understand at the time they got married what marriage entailed. It's a lifelong relationship open to children. So they, I don't want any more children, but we'll get married so we can take care of this one. But we're not going to have any others. Uh-uh. Finally, there's, I mean, there's many others. I'll just give you a couple examples. Both spouses must intend fidelity and the mutual good of each other. One of my online comments when I gave that talk on marriage, the person really chewed me up for saying that my sister who got a divorce... Um, was not guilty of sin, and she could receive Holy Communion. This person online shredded me for saying that. Sorry, that's wrong. My sister's husband had zero intent of remaining faithful the day he got married. He already had a girlfriend. That is an invalid marriage. My sister is not liable. She did not know that. She felt that he loved her. And so this is something that people don't understand. So no, she didn't do anything wrong. He did. You went into a marriage with the intent of being unfaithful. It's not valid. And so that's all the church is declaring. All right, you must intend to be faithful. Now, what about this? You must also have the physical and psychological ability to follow through with marriage. This is why the church does have teaching on impotence. And so people hate the church. 
This is just because the church is saying what must be present for a marriage to be valid, to be sacramental. So I finish when all of these above factors, and there are more, I just gave you some examples. When they are brought together, you have a sacramental marriage, an indissoluble union. What Jesus said, what God has brought together, let no man separate. That's what he's talking about. A sacramental marriage. It can't be dissolved. Even if a civil government says you are divorced. Though through divorce, the society might tell you you're divorced, but not the church. Because if it was sacramental, all those things I just listed are present. Can't separate it. Now, if some of those things were not present, then it never existed in the first place. So it's not a Catholic divorce. Annulment means a, declare, a declaration of nullity, meaning null and void. It was null and void from the beginning. That's all it is. And annulment states that these things were not present at the time the marriage took place, so therefore it's invalid. It's not, as I said, a Catholic divorce. Marriage was believed to be present, however, so the children are not illegitimate. People say all the time, I'm not going to get an annulment because the church wants to declare my children bastards. It's not true. Your children are not illegitimate. That's not church teaching. That's not what it is. Because in essence, a legal marriage existed. The church isn't denying that a legal marriage didn't exist. The church is just saying a sacramental marriage didn't exist. And that doesn't make your children illegitimate. If a legal marriage existed, but it wasn't sacramental, your children are not illegitimate. The church recognizes a legal marriage existed in the definition of legal in, in the sense of the world, but not as a sacramental marriage. Therefore, that is not, that in many ways is the misunderstanding of the Catholic church. And so a church decree of invalidity, an annulment, does not imply that the marriage never existed, as I just said, but only that it did not have the character of a sacrament. Now, if you're saying, Father, I'm watching this and I'm in trouble because my husband and I got married in the justice of the peace, but now we want to make it right. We want to live in the ways of the Lord. Just have it convalidated. Go to your priest. Have the marriage convalidated where you're brought into the church, into God's grace. Remember, this isn't made up by the Catholic Church. These teachings are from Christ himself. Are they easy? No. But are they going to help us get to heaven? Yes. Because we have to understand what God's rule and law and teaching is. If you don't have a church, then everybody's going to interpret scriptures their own way. Hence, 40,000 different Christian denominations. Instead, we need a governing body. Maybe governing is not the right word a guiding body to explain to us what Christ meant. And that's what we have in our Catholic church. Despite our stupidity sometimes and us not following our own teaching, doesn't make the teaching invalid. 
the teaching is valid, even if some of the hierarchy of the church don't follow it. That doesn't make it invalid. The church teaching is valid. That's why we have to pray for the church hierarchy. That's why we have to pray for your priests because the priests have to set this example and stand for the truth, you know, but it's always gotta be done in love. Father Kaz, the love, Father Chris, the truth, put us together and that's why God sent you here because we need both. And praise be to God that we have a church that teaches us the truth. Now we just got to pray that her members follow it. Praise be to God. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.